Hi, it's Lou. You know, the good-looking one with a full head of lush hair? I'm taking a break from filling DM Scott's shampoo bottle with Nair. To tell you about our new website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find a host of awesome things, including a picture of me. Every third Friday of the month, a new blog post related to gaming comes out. Interested in getting caught up on the podcast episodes? You'll find those on the website, too, as well as other interesting information. Head on over to thedungeonmastersdojo.com and pay us a visit. Send us a message, too. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you excuse me, I have to take the batteries out of DM Bill's hearing aid. See you next time in the dojo. How about a podcast fashioned to inject flavor into your games? Updates drop weekly on Wednesdays. This podcast brings you a virtual buffet, and who doesn't like a buffet, of gaming goodies in the form of community news, product discussions, rules questions, stories from their tables, and everyone's favorite, opinions. This podcast is made up of a core of fellow gamers and DMs that have met and bonded on the battlefields of convention dungeon mastering. From noobs to grognards, they have it covered. Curious? Well, the wait is over because... It's the Bike Side Gaming Podcast. Podcast. This week on the Dungeon, Dungeon Master's Master Dojo. Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer, so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer, or three, or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your Dungeon Masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Hey, Lou. Fantastic. We have guests. I'm going to move for some dessert first. Yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. don't eat too much. Maybe just take a bite size. That's right. These guys have been a friend of the podcast <laughs> since very early on and graciously extended us an invitation to join them over at one of our favorite podcasts, Bite Size Gaming. It was an absolute blast. So now is our opportunity to return the favor. So get over there, check them out, get your gaming news and more from Bite Size Gaming. You can find them on Apple Podcasts. Look for them on Facebook at www.facebook.com, Bite Size Games. There's a Kickstarter in the works, but more on that later. We don't want to spoil anything just yet. And again with us today are our good friends from Bite Size Gaming. Thank you for coming. Hey, What's up, fellas? Thanks for having us. Yeah, speaking of desserts, there's, there's, get your uh, injection shots ready because this is going to be pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's my dad joke of the day. You're welcome. 
been brewing that one all day long. If it was only going to be the only one you drop on us. (laughs) I'm not dropping anything. You're dropping things. Like your face. (laughs) Wow. Well, let's, let's start this off light and let our customers get to know you. Would you rather get a shoulder massage by Steve Buscemi or a foot massage by Quentin Tarantino? Uh, definitely that foot massage. There's no question. Yeah, we're not even in the same realm here, man. No, no, no. <laughs> Are you no. sure? Not even, brother. Are you no. sure? We can still be friends. Like it, this doesn't end anything, but yeah, it's just weird. I don't know who you are anymore. That's the only thing I'm saying. But a foot massage is never just a foot massage. It's never, it's never a foot massage. Exactly. That's why, that's and why, I don't that's why it's a hard Tarantino no. He's, yeah. holding, he's holding up for the happy towing. Yeah, he <laughs> seems like, like a super nice guy. So a nice, yeah. chill, brosage. There are like no strings attached. Just, hey, you look like you're tense. That's how I'd expect that. Tarantino... <laughs> You know he would stare at that foot man. for hours before he even touched it, right? Like that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Man. Nope. I feel uncomfortable. There's <laughs> <laughs> a good place to start. Part, please. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna get weird, you might as well go for it, though, right? You might, you might as well, as well invite them both over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Just both at the same time. Absolutely, I'm done for that. <laughs> okay, so who's gonna while 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 Steve is rubbing the shoulders and and uh, my buddy Q is rubbing the feet? Who's feeding the grapes? Who's who? Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone. I was as you were winding that one up. I'm like, oh my god, where's he going with this? I was too. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you in a couple uncomfortable position with having three guys there. So we we may have to. <laughs> We have to put oh. a uh, put a broader warning on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou, what's next? Uh, well, this is a... <laughs> you started this. <laughs> well, we're going to continue. Uh, the debate has raged on since the birth of the wiener itself. Care to weigh in on it? Is a hot dog a sandwich? And if so, why? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's meat between two pieces of bread. Right, it's, it's, it's only one piece of bread. But I mean, like you could say the same thing about a, the old way they used to do the old subway sandwiches, right? Where they yeah. just like cut a wedge and it would like flap over, right? If but I asked for a sandwich and you gave me a hot dog, I would be mad. So that's <laughs> <laughs> only if it's drenched in wiener water. <laughs> yeah, no, like hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to want to attack Troy's logic. On what constitutes a sandwich being a sandwich here? So you can't you never logic. make a, a flap over? Yeah, you, I didn't, you said you said it's one said piece of bread. Pe- you said two pieces of bread. It's whatever. One piece of so, bread, so then hang on. So then you can't use a fl- you can't do a flap over. Is that what you're saying? No, you I'm just flap saying, over. People have been doing it for why, the hairstyles for years. Flap overs, Troy. Why do you I hate flap overs? A flap overs? Why do you hate America? I, said, I hate I hate <laughs> that you said two pieces of bread when it's one. It is two pieces of bread. It's not two pieces of bread. They're just fused together temporarily. Halfway cut. Every hot dog that I've ever eaten has turned into two pieces of bread. (laughs) (laughs) It turns into that. It doesn't start out that way. Fine. fine. I'm surprised that that none of you brought up the, the, the point that a hot dog doesn't necessarily qualify as meat. We haven't even got that far yet. He's he's grossing me over two pieces of bread. <laughs> Hang on, 
on, hang on. This is a moving target uh, argument here, <laughs> sir. I think the hot dog gets a raw deal, right? The, 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 <laughs> the hot dog is, is like, like I, I, drive, I drive a Jeep, right? I drive a Jeep hmm. Compass. So I try to give the Jeep wave, you know, to the Wranglers when they, when they go by, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. I, I don't qualify. I they guess, laugh. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think the hot dog is like the Jeep Compass of the sandwich world. You know, he's like, hey, guys. I've said that many you know, times. Sandwich, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And they're like, no, you don't qualify. <laughs> I actually think really I saw that. I, I, I think mush. I saw that as a bumper sticker. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is my Wienermobile. <laughs> The way, the way that we're, we're the way that we're anthropomorphizing hot dogs here makes me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> the poor hot dog. Who knew? The, well, you know, wieners are people too, mm. right? Well, so we know you're all gamers. What's your favorite yeah. gadget at the gaming table? Not a gaming screen. <laughs> yes. Let me say something. Damn dirty screeners! <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it. I knew it. Damn screeners! I'm standing behind mine. I'm standing behind the screen, man. I'm, I'm for all for all the other the other screeners out there. Yeah. You have my support. <laughs> I will I will stay the uh, the the last bastion of reason and civility in the gaming world. I, I just think it's a poor excuse to hide one's physique. Um, Not my, well, present company excluded. Now, we'll so. have to go back to the curtains of your. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the curtains. Pay attention to the oddly misshapen body behind the curtain. Well, is he eating a sandwich? No, it's a hot, hot dog. dog. <laughs> Between two slices, of washing it down with some wiener water. Oh, you and the wiener water. It just sounds funny to say. I don't want to say it again because it's a good joke. Shut up. <laughs> We'll be renaming this episode the Wiener Water episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Seinfeld thing, uh, <laughs> or is it Friends that did that? Fr- I don't know. The, the one about the Wiener Water. Yeah. The one about the Wiener Water. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Not that I ever watched Friends. Just for the record. Just oh, for wow. the record. Oh man, is this going to turn into another fight? Yeah, your T-shirt would say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you recognize that as being Ross, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, hang on. Let's, should we actually answer the question, though, first? Since yeah. we decided oh, to turn that yeah. into a flame war about DM screens. <laughs> I think we could probably all at this point have the same answer would be my guess. I am solidly in the D&D Beyond best yep. tool at my table, best mm-hmm. gadget. So yep. I, I'm I'm a late bloomer when it came to D&D Beyond, but I am... I'm all about it now, 100. percent It's one is easily one of my favorites to have at the at the table. Yep, always always got to have D and D Beyond somewhere. If yeah. if I don't have it, I'm really sorry for my players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just started really using it ourselves, uh, yeah, quite a bit. And I really got on, on our last virtual game session. Mm-hmm. That's where I really shined. I thought, you know, I really got to do everything without having to worry about what book I got to pick up. Well, or yeah. Or, well, techno boy mm-hmm. over here, he's linking his, all his accounts together and you know, mm-hmm. it's, he's got his, <laughs> he's got his D and D beyond and his, uh, what the hell did you link to? I, you had your like Facebook and, and your toaster all hooked to it and Pornhub. Yeah. Pornhub but, yeah. Yeah. He had that all. The, I mean, just so. <laughs> Wait, wow. those aren't dice. Those aren't dice. <laughs> yeah. She's rolling D titties, you know, just, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, girls. And that's uh, eject. Yeah, where's we'll, my X card? We'll have to do some heavy editing. On that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, thanks, thanks, Bill. You're welcome. Next, 
the two percent of our listeners that are fe- or were female <laughs> are now going to drastically drop. Mm. Uh, all right, would it be better if I say roll gonads? Uh, no. Oh, all right. No. Just That's, brings us back to the Tarantino Buscemi conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never gotten comfortable with using like computery stuff at the gaming table though. Like I would print st- I you know, I could see myself printing stuff out from D&D Beyond and carrying paper with me, unnecessarily carrying paper mm-hmm. with me. No, but on your defense, every time you do digital gaming, the dice roll amazing for you. They like me Which is than 180 dice. degrees from yes. real dice. Yes, real mm-hmm. dice hate me. Where so. I have the opposite effect. Real dice roll fantastic for me, and I actually rolled four ones in a row uh, with digital dice. And um, I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that. You can't hurt you, Bill. You can't do that. (laughs) Show me on the die where they touched you. Uh, (laughs) Well, if you think about it, when you're using your D&D Beyond, you're becoming a screener. Uh, Maybe that's why it doesn't work. And and every every time you game online... You're a screener. I knew it See, would that, that's why it happened. That's ah. why it all goes south, because it Welcome. knows damn well I am not a screener. That's why I always turn, turn on the actual dice that roll across the, the screen so mm. that I can get away from the screener. You know, see, I was using those, and they still roll ones. It was actually very refreshing for me to see that because I've been – He's been laughing at me for 30 years. So this is 30 years worth of karma that has been built up. Uh, and, it's, and it's nice. He was yeah. laughing so hard, I think he digitally peed himself. Yeah. Well, there was. <laughs> you remember that one game, Bill, when we first started our yearly getaways? Yeah. Where Scott didn't roll anything above a five or whatever it was? He, he did not hit, a successful hit on anything Nothing. for three and a half days straight. Yeah. Of oh gaming, for, we started gaming at seven in the morning. We stopped around nine, ten o'clock at night, and never once Nothing. had a, a successful to hit. Wow. And it was a lot easier back then because we were using Thaco. Yeah, we were using Thaco. So he had, he had he had low numbers to try to achieve, and he couldn't even do that. Yep, with a fighter. Wow, oh, buddy. Yeah, yeah I, I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. You got to figure out a way to just lean into it somehow. I, I, I think I just put right. a giant spider on the stairs and made him accidentally step on him just so he could say he killed something. <laughs> you did. Yes. Yeah, actually, I did. And the very last thing is I was doing the epilogue, and and you look down, you hear squish, and you you destroyed one of the evil spiders by stepping on it on the stairs. Congratulations, you finally killed something. And it was the true mastermind behind it all. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> So, if there's one bad habit at the gaming table that you can get rid of, what would it be? Mm. Players and DMs. Well, for us, it'd be Both? Lou. But... For, for either, for as DMs, but as, and then as players as well. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. Bad habits. We kind of got over some stuff that's a little similar to this, right? Oh, bad habit uh, Players, bad habits. I, I, th- I think, you know, everybody's going to say, you know, stay off your phones. But, but uh, oh, yeah. I think for me... The the one bad habit would be when you call for a say a perception check and they and they fail it and then everybody else oh I'll roll perception too it's like yeah. you're not even in the same room yep skill yeah. check dog piling why why yeah. would you do you have any we have one one of our guys who actually says that but if yep. he failed to roll somebody says oh I'll do that he's like why are you rolling you don't even know that I'm that I'm doing this yeah that's one of our players yeah so he's yep. actually very you know he's very good he's you know he plays. 
the he plays the, the character. He doesn't play the dice. He, and somebody says, well, I want to roll two. He says, why? As the player, he's saying this, and that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I give that, uh, I give that player inspiration. Mm. Yes. You're here. There you go, Cork. You heard it here. You get inspiration. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like tied to skills in that, that I think that I, I'm way too, like it's training your players to be bad players. Right. I think that's, and, and it's, it's, a it's, doesn't look good on you as a DM in that regard too. Like when you allow that skill dogpiling or just like a, an overuse of passive perception or whatever, like any of those things that are allowing your players to break the rules just because you're lazy and don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I think for players, mine would probably end up being not knowing your own character. I'm not even talking about background you know, what motivations, personality, accent, funny voice, whatever. I'm talking about like not knowing the mechanics of your own character. And then looking at me like, how does this work again? Like, have you read the book? Like, this is your character. It kind of goes back to the, uh, the Matt Colvillism patron saint, Mattville, Matt Colville. Ooh. It goes back to one thing that he always says, like, I, I've got enough to worry about on this side of the screen than being an expert on your character. I'm counting on you to be an expert on your character and all the mechanical stuff that goes with it. That's a really nasty habit. Yeah. I wish we could kind of like strike from strike from the game. And on that note, I just want to bring up before Bill jumps in all over the screen bit. It's a little known fact. And as a, as a fellow screener, you probably know this as well, but it's the screen that actually holds the rest of the universe that you command in from spilling out on the table and causing oh, a big yeah. mess. I mean, it just keeps things tidy. So you're like, welcome. I use, like, retain, I use, like a retaining wall against the cosmic flames of my yeah. imagination. I'm sorry. I, I use my words and my presence to do exactly the same thing. But that's okay. <laughs> when you guys grow up and figure out how to do it, too, you'll get there. Well, that's just that we got to become the range first. <laughs> I just see screens as training wheels. But, that you know, that's all right. No. That's cool. That's <laughs> that's cool. You're gonna make John cry, and that's gonna be amazing. Not for you, jokers. I'll wait until tonight. I'll cry myself to sleep on my huge pillow. Make sure you. Make I'll sure take you, that. Uh, bottle those. <laughs> Drink my tears and gain my power. Never, never. I'll hold them all in. Out of spite. Uh, so, what about the, what about you, fellas? Bill, Scott, Lou. Do you have uh, any any player? Faux pas or things that nasty habits you wish you could kind of strike from the table. For, for me, I think it's the one that we just talked about is when, uh, you know, skill piling is what you called it. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. That that's probably after listening, to, you know, Cork say that and the way he presented it, it I started living by it after that, and I was like, you know, that makes perfect sense. Scott, you know what drives me up the wall is uh, the excuse because that's what my character would do for being a dick you know just, how about just not being a dick yeah uh, defense yeah law yeah, yeah. Yep. for me it's when people play other people's characters mm. oh table captaining Mm-mm. i i nix that pretty damn quick i'm like yep. excuse me um that's not your character pay attention to your own uh and if they continue to do it penalties ensue yeah, that one sucks mm. too. Yeah, that's that, that's, that, a... that's one of my pet peeves is when people, you know, and it's usually the timid player or the mm-hmm. new player, and everyone's like, "Well, you can do this and you can do this." I'm sorry, but 
let him figure it out. He's new. I will give him a little bit of latitude, a little extra time to figure it out, but don't steer their character for them. It's their character. Mm-hmm. Your piece of paper is in front of you. Worry about that. <laughs> and uh, I usually, yeah, I've, I've I had usually, that with couples at my table before. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've had it with couples. The, the guy is like, oh, baby, you should do it like this. Or he'll like, I don't know. I'm like, shut up. At my <laughs> table, at my character. table a while back, it was the other way around. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, he was the more experienced, but she was like wicked into role playing. You should do this and you should do that and you should do that. And finally, I pulled her aside going, uh, excuse me, but um, what's your character's name? Oh, it, it's Evelyn. Right. Oh, really? Then why are you trying to run John? Mm. Worry about mm. Evelyn. As is when John's that, running, man. shut the hell up. And she went, uh, <laughs> see, I'm not I think known. I, I did it the other way around. Though. I'm not known I, for I subtlety. As, I gave it as a pep talk to the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, uh, the one receiving the captaining, right. It was like, look at your character. And if any, at any point, if you turn and tell them to shut up, I'll be like, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I already went through those stages and then it's like, nope, that's it. You know, I, I, you know, warn you once, warn you twice, th- third time I pull you into the corner and, and I verbally mm-hmm. lambaste you. So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, listen, I'm not known for being subtle. Um, I load all both barrels and come from the hip. These boys know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What about DM bad habits? Yeah. Uh, being adversarial with players. Yeah. yeah. Adversarial, like where it's me versus them. Mm-hmm. Can't stand that, man. Yeah, can't stand, can't stand like, that. Col- I love, I'm a, I'm a collaborator. I'm a shared universe. You know, I'm, I'm there to have a good time and for them to have a good time, not for them to have a good time at my expense or under my thumb. So yeah, that's, that's a yeah. big one for me. That's usually the new GMs. I think for myself, like one that I just realized this, this past couple months was, um, not reading what your party wants to do versus what the book says or what you want to do, right? I really, really, on our last campaign, really wanted to use um, Colville's strongholds and followers and the party have their own stronghold where they can build a base and all that. And we ran a whole campaign over a year and a half of me encouraging them to find and build and cap- or capture and take over whatever they wanted to do, a stronghold. And they never did. And I think I realized this past couple of months that they never really had that interest. That was me just kind of like trying to like press it in on them um, when what they wanted to be was just traveling adventurers, you know, seeing the sights, seeing the world. Um, so that was that was a year and a half of, of, you know, wasted pushing that I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Railroading. But at least the, yeah. the, the big thing here with us, you acknowledged it and you come to realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, hopefully it, so, you're, yeah. you're adjusting it so you did, hopefully it doesn't happen again you know that's where I, that, yeah. that's a learning experience um and that's where yeah. all gms should need to to realize have that open mind so they can um learn from their mistakes they and, need to and, realize their mistakes and i don't know if you did but that you know if i caught myself doing that i would actually apologize to the table yeah 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 we had a we had a conversation they uh we started a new campaign and we had a conversation about uh, this very thing. And I'm like, I think that I pushed way too hard on this. And I think that at the end of the day, you you had other things in mind and other other desires. And they're like, yep, I think that's probably true. It's all good. And uh, it was a good conversation. But yeah, long overdue. I don't like to see DMs just shut down cool stuff just because they don't know how to adjudicate mm. it. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm I'm a big fan of you know yes and or no but, and not just no you can't do that. That drives me nuts to see people just. It's like, but that would be so cool. Yeah, but no, I want that. Scott calls it the cool factor. We we yeah. both we both run with that. Let it happen. Yeah, the, yeah. the mm-hmm. rule of cool. Yeah, yeah. rule of cool, baby. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've sat at a t- at, like post game public play where one of the things that the players loved the most was me not just no, saying no the entire time. Yeah, or at least like I'm not one of the DMs. It's like say yes to everything. Right. But at the same time, like try to say yes where you can, or at least say, yeah, roll this for me. Or, well, let's, let's see what we can do with that. Right. Let's, let's make it work or see how we can make it happen as opposed to just, nope, nope, that's not in the rules. Nope. That's not rules as written. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. The, the players really appreciate that. They talk about it for years after. Oh you know, yeah. That, their, their epic moment in the spotlight, you know, yep. and that's, that's awesome. They should always yep. be given that opportunity. So when did you guys start playing uh, tabletop RPGs, and what drew you toward the hobby? And um, what is your favorite tabletop RPG? I think I started playing when Troy retired. Um, I think that was about the timeline. <laughs> I got that right, yeah. Um, uh, no, I I started. Uh-huh, I love you. Um I started uh, in college, actually. I had a group of professors invite me to come play at their table. And uh, so I think they were playing Pathfinder was the first game we played. And um, uh, they gave me the old D20 PFSRD website uh, where you could get all the uh, content digitally. They said, go make a character, come play. And I think I spent a week on that first character, just like every afternoon trying to learn what an RPG was. And what I was supposed to do with a character, and you know, Pathfinder had like forty races and fifty classes at that point, um, so it was an endeavor. But boy, was it a good one! So I don't know. I got sucked in pretty heavy through the noodly bits and the mechanics that that really got me excited. Go ahead, Troy, you first. Oh, that way I don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I was I, thinking uh, that, but I didn't say that. I, I knew you were. I feel your brother. I got... I got started in the early 80s, right in the middle of the Satanic Panic, which was hard. Yeah. yeah. It was hard. It was the game that shall not be named. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, what drew me to it was my love of comic books and Conan. Um, a friend of mine told me that he and his uncle had some friends that they played. And it's like, what is this game? And I saw it. I saw those, uh, what was it, Errol Otis, those... Uh, splash pages in the back of the comic books that had the little adventure. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I want to know. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, yeah, so I, I got involved that way. And, uh, I mean, D and D is always the number one RPG for me, but, uh, like we, we've played, uh, mothership recently. We've played, uh, cyberpunk red recently, call of Cthulhu, all those fantastic systems. I could see, I could see playing campaigns. Well, maybe not with Zach, but I could see playing <laughs> campaigns in those other systems um, and having an absolute blast in them. But I think for me, I, I'll always come back to D anD. d It's like uh, home. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's like home. Yep, warm blanket. Uh, for me, it was I was destined 
to be into some kind of role play, fantasy role playing. It was Destiny, man. As a kid growing up in the 80s, between the Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Willow, in the, in the movies, and then uh, like the books that I read, I would read the old Choose Your Own Adventure books as yep. a kid, like devour them before I even knew about DD. I remember maybe I'd heard it, I'd seen the cartoon maybe whenever I was a kid, and then getting into sixth grade. And drawing pictures of swords and fireballs and wizards and all that good stuff. And then a buddy of mine, but I wasn't a buddy yet. He goes, hey, what are you working on over there? It's like, I'm working on this game or this thing that I'm working on. He goes, what's it, what's it called? Dungeons and Dragons. Like I'd, like I'd made it up myself. It was my, my concoction, right? He's like, uh, you know, there's a real game like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? And so his brother had gone to college and his brother had left all of his old books and like a little, you know, folded in half booklet that he'd made of his own module and stuff like that. And so ran me through it, did it old style where he was behind the screen and did all the roles. And I pretty much just sat there and it was just one-on-one listening to the doors in the background. So that's why I always associate AD and D with, with the doors. Um, and it played the crap out of it with him and then brought in people here and there, here and there from school. And the satanic panic, by the way, did not end in the South in the 90s or in the, or the late 80s or even the early 2000s. So I had to deal with that, too, Troy. I, I sympathize. Um, but, yeah, so that's I've been playing it forever, man, it seems like. And then just in all its various forms, I've played uh, the old Star Wars, West End games, Indiana Jones, uh, GURPS, I mean, like, you name it. But it, uh, D&D's home. D and D is one hundred percent home. I can if if all of the other systems somehow vanished, I would lament the loss. That I would be I'd be okay if uh, if D and D were still there and it was still yeah. available because it is it is just it's my jam, always will be. Mm. Well, Scott, how about you? Well, I I don't know, but let's... well, I mean, <clears throat> I started um, uh, with uh, chainmail. And I got hold of it um, six months before print. Oh, wow. Because oh, nice. a gentleman yes. in the military uh, was going to this nice little uh, gaming place where they were doing military games. And they were working on this brand new game there. And uh, came home with a loose leaf three ring binder with all the rules and stuff like that. I said, hey, you got to try this out because you're always getting in trouble and your imagination is running wild. And we need to see if we can give it some direction. So... His little brother, who I hung around with, and myself, he showed us that, and um, we started playing that, um, like nineteen seventy seventy one. So that yeah, that's where I got started, and I said I've gone right. through all the incarnations. Up there, I did uh, three three point five. Once I got to three point five, I became considerably disenchanted. Went back to two point five, where we stayed for decades. And uh, dabbled in four, um, was pissed off, 4.5 or, or something like that I didn't even look at. Um, and then went, said, nope. And then five came out, and Scott goes, did you hear that fifth edition? Yeah, well, if it's anything like the other ones, I don't want to know about it. He's like, no, you're going to want to check this out. And I think we picked up the books, and we literally turned our entire table over to five from that point on. And we've been playing it pretty steady. Oh, it yeah. is amazing to me. The, the impact that fifth edition had. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. remember whenever they were doing D and D next and how they said they didn't, they knew that it wouldn't be all things to all people, but they were part of what they were trying to do is end the edition wars. 
you know, and the edition awards are still going to be out there. There's some guys yeah. and gals out there that are just going to play AD and D forever. And man, more power to them. I think what it has done, I hope at least, is maybe dis like diffuse the animosity about it. Like we're, some people are so happy with fifth and coming back into the fold through fifth and stuff like that to where it's like fifth edition. I'm like that's fine. That's my that's my jam now. And if you like your other thing over there, that's cool. And now we don't have to be so pissed off at each other all the time about it. But it just is amazing to see all of the other edition players that were so like vitriolic or like so like tied in at the base level with those other editions go god man this fifth edition it, it scratches the itch and we're all at the oh, table together now it's pretty cool yes, it does. every month we're introducing new people at the virtual cons to yeah. that have been diehard 1e or 2e AD&D you know even third edition players we're introducing them to 5e on a monthly basis and they're loving it so it's a good feeling well it harkens back to the old days where it's rules light and role pay heavy like, mm-hmm. it, like it started, and that's why I, that's why I I fell in love. I think it's, I'm speaking for Scott here. Same thing, you know. He he goes, it's 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 like it it used to be way back when before there was 87 editions, you know, to go along yeah. and compendiums and brown books and blue books and green books and you know, it's like it's just make something up. It it puts the ability back in the dungeon master's hands to tell you what happens. It's not you don't have a rule for every single thing that's going on it's well i want to do this it's like well okay make this roll and if you roll high enough it happens it puts the power back in the dm's hands that's what i like about it yeah it allows you to be creative again that was the thing i didn't Mm -hmm. like about the uh additions past 2.5 was there was that dm creativity and agency that was kind of taking taken from you because there's a rule for there there is there's a rule for yeah. everything and there were tons of books and you were constant especially with like four fourth edition it seemed like you were on this this book treadmill you mm-hmm. know where it was almost like every couple months you know a new book was coming i was hard to keep keep up with it um and then you know there's so many so many books to go through it's like how are you gonna mm-hmm. learn all those rules and retain all those rules. And uh, it was just too cumbersome. I found that with Pathfinder too, as Pathfinder started to really, really progress. It was like book after book after book. Fourth edition. uh, You look, I look back on it and I think about the difference between, between being technologically dependent versus technologically enhanced by something. Right. Fourth edition, God forbid you didn't have, the character creator. God forbid you didn't have that thing. It would take five hours to put a friggin' character together with five million different options spread across the cosmos. Let's not forget about the errata that came out by the second. It was like it's like the it's like the uh, like the national debt ticker. Like there's a new version of the errata for all these different books that were coming out there constantly, and it was absolutely exhausting. Um, yeah, that's on top of all the other things that I'll, I can beat up fourth edition for. But the good thing is though, I think that the design um, mistakes and the triumphs that came from fourth edition are part of some of the things that we, that were adopted into fifth that really did make it work. So I think whenever they're putting it all together, D and D became the sum of its parts instead of a different thing. Like if fifth edition has to be distinct, no, it doesn't. 
It can take the best of everything that we've done before, optionalize everything, modularize things, and then let the DMs and the players suss out the best path forward like. for them to make it to make it their own. Well said. Scott, what about you? I was uh I was a mold vey cook baby. That was my 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 first set. Um my grandma got it at Kmart, I think, at work because I liked reading Lord of the Rings. She had no idea it was what it was. <laughs> and I think it's like a a a, a Roman Catholic of Polish descent, she probably wouldn't have purchased it for me if she knew what it was because you know, us, we were, you know, we were uh, boiling baby fat to make flying potions and the whatnot during the 80s. So, it was the yeah. Devil. yeah, yes, but the fruits of the devil. Yeah, I was like, well, this is a game. There's like 60 pages of rules. This is even better than Monopoly. I could I think my first character was like named Bilbo Baggins or something, but I was, <laughs> but I was 10. Um, and he didn't last long either. Uh, Something in the key really of the lands. Yeah, module <laughs> killed him. But it was uh, the uh, the the love and the addiction for Dungeons and Dragons started there. And then I had a bunch of friends that played different stuff, like uh, played Gangbusters and oh, uh, Top Secret and mm, Top Star Secret. Frontiers and Gamma World and Metamorphosis yeah. Alpha and mm -hmm. Travelers. Mm -hmm. I love Traveler. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I love oh, Traveler but... because of the books. I thought the books were neat and you can die in character creation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's I one of my, that. one of my favorite parts, yeah. a little frustrating yep. uh, at times, but it was yes. still pretty cool. Sometimes better than the game itself. Yeah. yeah. It took you all <laughs> night to make your character and you could die at the end or any part. There's a, another yeah. game that came out that was based off that called fusion and yeah. same thing. And it had a life path and it, that I still use every once in a while just to kind of muddy the waters a little bit and you could die during creation. It's fun. It's fun just to make a character. That is awesome. That's cool. Let's talk podcasting. There's this podcast out there called Bite Size Gaming. How did that come to Ooh. be? I hear it's good. Zach's, Zach's uh, gonna have to rumor that. has it. Yeah. Rumor has it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so there was once upon a time a podcast called uh, A Bite of D&D. &D. Uh, I did that one. Uh, for a while, for over a year with my brother-in-law. Um, and it was, we kind of had a, a, a format about t covering one topic every episode. We would pick a monster or a class or something like that, and we would just talk about it for 20 minutes. I ended up moving, and it just became chaos. So we dropped that podcast, and then the pandemic hit. And uh, I was good friends with Troy at the time. And he, I think if I remember right, Troy, you asked like, do you, he's like, do you want to do a podcast again? Uh -huh. And I, or, and I'm like, yeah, I still like, I can, I remember all the stuff, like we could do it. And we roped Catherine into it uh -huh. um, pretty early. And I think initially we had this idea that like, there would be this revolving table of DMs and there would be like two or three hosts, but we would kind of rotate them in and out. And so we're like, we need at least one other person to kind of round this out. And all the good and DMs were taken, so we asked. All the other good, yeah, all the good DMs were taken. And so we're like, well, <laughs> you dumb bastards. <laughs> <laughs> now you'll never be rid of me. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was very much like a last kid picked at volleyball situation, mm -hmm. whereas we're like, well, to even it out, no. 
Well, this is actually a great story. Troy, you, I think, proposed John. You said, like, I think John would be all right. And I was like, mm-hmm. is, who's John? And you're like, oh, he goes by the Dwarven DM. He has, like, a blog. I was like, oh, is that that kiss ass? That was that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, yep. Yep. Still am. Yep. <laughs> right. Sounds like our man. And uh, it he was. So, yeah, we, we got together and it worked and it was awesome. And uh, we're like in episode, I don't know how many now, with, with you combined all of them, 80 some, 90 some, I don't know, uh, in that range. Mm-hmm. On, okay. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, we we like getting together, and we knew each other, or at least some of us knew each other from the conventions. We knew all knew of each other. So when the convention scene died all last year and this year so far, it was a great way to stay connected. We had a lot of our friends on, a lot of the uh, authors and creators that we had met at conventions throughout the years previous, and it became like this little tiny snippet of what we loved from before that we got to carry with us. And I think we've hopefully been able to maintain that love and kind of show that to people who have never been to a convention, that this is what you can expect. You can expect Mm -hmm. conversations like this to happen uh, at the bar or at the gaming table or at the hotel afterwards. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting the, I remember Troy and I had, like I'd seen Troy around the cons for the couple the the year and a half that I've really been involved in comments like and I say involved like a handful of them really not 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 much and I had uh, I had the opportunity to uh to administer one of the an epic and uh so I I in the conversation leading up to that and then during the like as the epic was about to start we ended up having to I ended up having to pull out of the epic uh, admitting it because a buddy of ours got sick, so I ended up uh, taking his table for him. But uh, it was just cool. Like Troy was easy to talk to, and we liked all the same stupid crap, and we both had magnificent beards, so there was a <laughs> sapatico there. Uh, and then, uh, like, so whenever the pandemic hit, yeah, I was, I was like, this is a bummer. Like, everything got thrown into a tailspin, and now. And so I remember Troy messaging me and going, hey, is this something that you'd be interested in? I'm like, uh, hell yes, please and thank you. Well, where do I sign up? And uh, the rest is history. So I got to meet Zach and Catherine, who's not really a friend of the show, and uh, but not really um, recording with us these days. But um, yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been a good year in spite of everything. It's one of the things that has made the past year a good year in spite of everything else. Yep. And my wife and my kids – Give me a hard time about Zach and Troy all the time, all the time now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, Zach and Troy are my D and D wives, according to my wife. Uh, and then my oldest I'm refers sorry. to Troy as Uncle Troy. And yeah. She goes, "I need an Uncle Buck." I'm like, and then Troy's like, "I'll be her Uncle Buck." I'll be Uncle Buck. <laughs> <laughs> so, brag to our listeners about the best thing going on with Bite Size Gaming in the past thirty days, and anything coming up in the next thirty. I will I will plug these two yahoos, my two co-hosts, for a minute because the best thing that happened in these last thirty days is they got to interview uh, uh, Andrew with D and D Beyond, yeah. and it was a really good episode. Uh, I think Andrew could, should probably be uh, replace me as host if that's what we're going to get every month. Every <laughs> week. We're trying, we're trying. It is shockingly amazing. Um, How the hell Andrew's... are you reading my emails? Uh, like I don't appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Andrew is. 
a great, a great person to talk to. Fascinating. If you ever get the chance at a conventions or anywhere, just um, just give him a one of your ears or two, and he'll he'll fill them full of interesting stuff. But man, that's a great episode, and I think that's one that we're gonna hang our hat on for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's really, he's really easy to talk to. And surprise, like not surprisingly insightful, but there were some really eye-opening things that came out of that podcast for me. It's like, like, re, like, I forced some reevaluation of the ways that yeah. I've been doing things in the in the past. Where I was like, oh my, my, my. Well, and he's got that that like a statistical. Like like an analysis of the game as opposed to that first person, like that that view, right? Like I, I can only see out, right? I can't see in to it, right? Into my games and how some of these games work. So I only had that one perspective. Whereas he he's gone in, in the cons and sat in like a fly on the wall, which I wish that I could do a lot of because they're different than trying to watch something. It's not watching a streaming game at all. Watching a streaming game is for entertainment, but to me, I, I can't gain a lot of purpose out of watching a streaming game, streaming game as a DM. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the time that he's been able to sit, sit and watch other DMs form their craft. It's really, really cool. And he's got a, really, a lot of incredibly, incredibly insightful things to add to the conversation, for sure. Yep. 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 That's, our, that's the last 30 days. What do, we, what do we want to say about the next 30 days? Uh, the next uh, 30 days where do we go? <laughs> go ahead, let's close up shop, boys. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find out what kind of podcast we are right now. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, no, I, I, I think the next 30 days, we just what I want to what I want to do with the podcast next 30 days and forward. Yeah. Is yep. I just want to, you know, kind of along the lines of what you guys have done. I want to get out there. I want to reach more people. I want uh I want to, uh, you know, help help more people, you know, fall asleep at night. By you're you're basing it all on the premise that people toes. actually listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to them multiple times. That way, your listens go up. Every little bit, we'll take it. We'll take it. Every little bit helps. Yeah, I, I just want, I want to, I just want to uh, continue to to grow in. Uh, and have our listener base. I I, I love because we we like to do a a live stream while we record. And I would love to see, you know, look out there and see that there's 50 people watching us live stream as we, you know, as we would record uh, yeah. Andrew or something like that. I think that'd be great. Cool. That's definitely like the next 30 days. I think, you know, I know uh, John and I kind of run the live aspect mm-hmm. and we're upgrading our devices over the next few weeks so that we can make that a bigger component and a smoother component. Um, so yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, absolutely. The improvement of it. That's uh, yep. the constant improvement. No, don't get stagnant. Don't get stale. Um, you know, come up with the top things that are topical. Like come up with topics that are timely and are, that are going to be not just like generic for the sake of bringing people to the table, but things that are interesting and provocative. Things that'll, I guess, like the Andrew you know, interview is yeah, like cool. something that was helpful to us. You know, the the. The podcast is therapeutic to us as DMs and as people too. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll echo the sentiment that I w- we want to, to expand the audience, have more people listen, not necessarily just so they can hear a couple of yahoos, you know, yammer on and on about stuff and feed our own egos, but rather the reason why we did it in the first place is so that we could help people up their game. Even, you know, and we're not saying that our games are perfect by any stretch of the standard, but that's why we bring in outside resources and, 
we have the conversations between the three of us plus whoever we bring on to we do it collectively it's it's communal you know you gain a lot from that too i mean i've i've been playing with the same group for uh, kind of longer than i haven't but in doing the podcast you know we've we've had the opportunity to speak with some you know some other people in the hobby who brought mm-hmm. different perspectives or similar perspectives and it's been it's it's been a very very cool experience um, having yeah. those interactions with uh, folks from other podcasts or, you know, uh, authors or YouTubers or um, even the folks that listen and will occasionally, you know, send us an email or, or, or make a comment or, or make a suggestion. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a selfish aspect to it, for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's like there's so much that I gain from it personally right in my games at my tables that make that will make me better and then the the listeners man like here i go being a kiss ass again but i'm i'm like 100 sincere that yeah. like the listeners i've learned so much from the listeners and their feedback and it's humbling you know the the some of the feedback that we get positivity and things like that. Just, it's awesome, man. Yeah. And and they've become friends and and, and we talk to them. We get, we get to game with some of them at our Mm -hmm. events. It's really cool. Every month. So yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. And we've always failed to meet the hype. Way to go, go, boys. Way to go. (laughs) At least we're consistent. We are consistent. We are. Yes. Well, I'm going to switch tracks for a minute. Um, I know, I, as we all know, Candlekeep just came out. Um, I don't know if you guys have been on the forums about Candlekeep lately, or as of this morning anyway, but what are your thoughts about Candlekeep? And if you have been on the forums, the shitstorm it's creating. Oh, my. I've not oh, heard about not any sure. storms of feces. That's interesting. Yes. The, 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 the shitstorm is really about um, how they're removing alignments. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I... Okay. I got rid of those a long time ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> am I shocked? Not even slightly shocked. It is definitely, it's something that's, um, it is, it's odd because we've been playing some zero edition lately and how integral alignments were in the beginning from the outset. And to see them go is odd. And, and is, it's oddly not very D&D to lose it just because of the traditional aspect right. of it. Sacred um, yeah, but I mean, but... Like it's all the uh, alignment is also incredibly subjective. The DM saying, well, your God wouldn't allow you to do X, Y, Z as a paladin. And then it turns in, that turns into a shit storm and a pissing contest between the player and the DM and stuff like that, which is, and I think that the only thing that I would, I would be bummed by in losing alignment is sometimes I don't want to have to think about whether or not the goblin's birthday was today or not. You know, sometimes I just want to find a goblin, kill it and not feel bad about it or a zombie or whatever. Like I, Mm. I don't want to have a moral conundrum every single time I interact with something. Like can can something be like bad, like a demon, devil, whatever, and like not have to worry about it? That's I think that's the the only thing that I would worry worry with it in is that it becomes emotionally and mentally taxing to play the game because you're like I, I, sometimes I want well, to simplify things, and I think the 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 alignment system kind of helps with that a little bit. Go ahead, Zach. The 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 most, or let me rephrase, the least 5e thing about 5e has always been the stat blocks. Um, as far as you talked about streamlining, like, they are such a mess. Um, like, I mean, they're somewhat easy to read. I'm not really complaining about the 
the presentation of them. But the amount of information that they feel is necessary to pack into a stat block is ridiculous. I don't need to know what type of what what alignment of a golem is, right? Like I don't need to know what its actual strength score is. I don't it doesn't matter that it has a strength score of 24. What matters is that it has a plus seven modifier, right? And mm -hmm. it really doesn't even matter there for the most part. It's so cluttered. And when I saw that Candlekeep was getting rid of some of the alignments, I'm like, as long as you're cutting them all out of the monsters and you're really reevaluating like what is necessary to convey what this monster is in as few words as possible so that it's easy as a DM, both new and old, to reference it, I'm happy. If that's your mindset, I'm really happy. If you have other motives, I'm not. I'm still not upset because at the end of the day, I'm getting what I want, which is, you know, ideally we have a stat block that is, you can read over in a couple seconds and kind of have an idea of what you're looking at. Yeah, I'm. My alignments are good guy, bad guy. That's all I need. I mean, uh, I, I guess I, you know, I didn't get rid of alignments completely. It's more like, okay, if if you want to pick one, pick it, and that's your, that's your baseline. Default, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because nobody's ever always neutral or always lawful good. It's yeah. yeah, I'm usually lawful good, but when push comes to shove in certain situations, I might be a little chaotic or I might mm -hmm. shy away and, from from the side of good a little bit. And so, it, it, to me, it was always the you know the the handcuffing that went about with from alignment. Everybody was so well. My my druid is has to be true neutral so i'm not going to fight the monsters this time because the balance has to come into play it's like <laughs> what yeah right. well and then you can already no sense. you can tell design wise that even from the very beginning you could tell that they were kind of moving towards that anyway yep, yep. you yep. look at protection yep. from evil and good i brought that up earlier today yep yep right yeah yeah, yeah to, to, to zach's point we're talking about like and, and zach and troy talking about like situationality yeah. of alignment right we've talked about it on the podcast before my favorite uh analogy or uh, my argument is robin hood robin hood is the classic chaotic good quote-unquote uh poster boy for chaotic good however he was only chaotic good when he when he was under the thumb of prince john and the sheriff of nottingham as soon as richard returned from the the crusades he was lawful good again because he believed in the reign of richard over the tyrannical reign of the existing government that he was underneath. So he, the alignment shift, the, there was no alignment shift. His ideologies had never changed. Yeah. I, ideologically, he was both. It would depended upon what it was he was railing against or that he was championing uh, in, the, in, the, in the, the first place. More the perception of how you viewed him as opposed to how he viewed himself. Right, yeah. exactly. Yep, yep, yep. exactly. Because yep. he, he was very much to himself probably still lawful good. Sure. I am following the laws of the land. As laid out by King Richard, mm -hmm. the us the usurper is uh, the one spoiling everything. I'm just right. trying to do what's right. Exactly, yeah. usurper. So, that's a, and that's an important one too. It's like you don't belong on the throne. You do not belong in that that position of authority. God has not ordained you in that. Yada yada yada. Right. So for him, he's like, I'm acting as a guerrilla fighter against this the the wrong the this regime that has no business being at the apex. Uh, of leadership in the country. Yeah. 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 The, the moment that they got rid of any mechanical purpose for alignment, we should yep. have just dropped it all together. Right. Yep. Like, like yep. you said, protection from good and evil clerics, not having deities, 
paladins not having to be tied to their oaths, warlocks not having to obey their um, patrons. Like all of these things are the things that made alignment important in other mm -hmm. editions. Um, I have to be lawful evil because my god is lawful evil, and if I don't, you know, do my god's bidding, I'm out of I'm out of spells. Um, mm -hmm. That's where that came from. No. We should have we should have dropped it at the beginning. The only reason they didn't drop it at the beginning of five E was for tradition, mm -hmm. I think. And it now it's just clutter at this point. So Okay, so let's let's talk Kickstarter. What is this all about? Ooh. Oh. oh boy. Oh my goodness. That's a long topic. We should might that might that might push us over into another episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. They're gonna have to ask us back. They're gonna be like oh, no. Uh yeah, so we did our first Kickstarter. Um uh both both John and Troy were a part of it um way back in what was that? I guess it was just 2019. It feels like an age ago, but it was 2019 yeah. December. Um we did a little Kickstarter called Oceanic Depths. We made a book of monsters and villains and layers and player options and all sorts of stuff for um for 5e, all aquatic themed. And I got really fun. It was really fun to make a book. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of got the bug. And so, like, last year we helped with, I say last year, 2020, we helped with uh, a little over $200,000 worth of Kickstarters, whether that was our own or that was helping another company get theirs off the ground. We put out a few books and uh, got bid even more. And so in 2021, we've successfully launched five Kickstarters so far, and we've got a few more in the docket. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an obsession, and the community is amazing over on Kickstarter. The RPG Kickstarter community is the best community out there, in my opinion. It's yeah, incredibly supportive, yeah, of one another, right? Yeah, cheering like cheering each other on. Yeah, I love seeing and, that. Well, I'm sure part we, of this speaks to the product you're putting out too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting. Um, there's there's whole Facebook or groups and forums and things where you can go on and just talk with other uh, creators, which is amazing. And they're just sharing all, all. You know, it's amazing. You can go reach out to and probably get good information from a Kickstarter that's done $2 million, right? Like you can, you can have that conversation with that creator and that's something that you can't do anywhere else. Like I can't call up Kobold press and be like, so how was, how was deep magic as successful as it was? Um, you're not going to get a, an answer from somebody who actually worked on the project. And then, you know, we kind of, I think realized how much we liked it and how much we wanted to support it. Um, and so, you know, the, our podcast did like this, this gambit run um in february where we interviewed how many like it 13. was a lot 13, 13 creators in the a gauntlet. day oh, yeah geez. it was it was awesome um and we put out each one of those as interviews on our our podcast but um yeah i i don't know what else to say uh we've got more in the docket but like um we've got a magazine that we're going to relaunch soon um we've got a big hardcover book campaign setting that we're going to launch soon ish um a book of assassins that we're help putting out um a spell jammer-esque book that yeah. um is uh right on the cusp of being released for with another person um 
so much stuff. <laughs> Very cool. It's exciting. Yeah. It is. That's interesting. It's a special feeling to get like a book with your words or your art in it on your shelf. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's different. It's, it's, you know, I've, I've had my three ring binders full of campaign notes on my shelf for years. Uh, but it's different when 200 other people have it on their shelves or a thousand other people have it on their shelves. When you see artwork rolling in from different artists that they're bringing to life, what you wrote or vice versa. I know John did some cartography for us and like, um, you get to draw things. I'm speaking for John, maybe a little bit out of turn here, but when you get to draw <laughs> things and see those things, you know, words put next to them and they get released. I mean, like, oh yeah, it's just a different, different beast. Well, that's what, that's what it really, like the podcast, right? It's like that too. You're creating something and you, and it's cathartic. You do it, you do it for yourself. You already do it for yourself, right? Maybe you don't yeah. do it to the same degree of professionalism or you don't put the same, time constraints on yourself to do things like that but you're doing it and then the, the kicker is you get to see the the physical byproduct of it and for whatever strange reason there are other people out there that want to see it read it touch it you know be involved in it play off of it yeah. ask you questions about it riff create their own content as a result of it too and I'll speak kind of like from the cartography side of things and the artwork side. It's just, uh, it's really cool to see your stuff on in print. It, uh, like our uh, the family and friends look at it too and be really excited for you too, right? It's something you get to share and it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I personally am still waiting on uh, the dojo to put out their campaign setting that they keep always talking about on um... Podcast just uh, thrown. Oh, we don't want to talk too much about it, but there's yeah, we're 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 working on on that to uh, yeah, we have we have a I don't know, is it an alpha or a beta? We actually have it in print, yeah, we have a beta version in print that that we gave to our our gaming group. So now we've gone back to the drawing board and we have a wonderful artist that. Um, hopefully we'll be working with us on that. So ev- eventually. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Ho- hopefully soon ish. Hopefully soon ish. It's in the works. Trademark I, soon. I think that you need to let us know sooner rather than later when that's going to happen so that we can go ahead and get you guys scheduled on our podcast. Again. Again. And yeah. pull okay. you guys up. Yep. Yeah. Consider that do done. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the, that's the thing I love just as much. And I say this with all sincerity. The thing that I like just as much as seeing my own words on my shelf is seeing my friend's words or my friend's mm-hmm. art on my shelf. Yep. Like it's, that's a, that's a great feeling. Uh, so yeah, like we, I just told the guys on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, right? Like I got in Titan home, which is a, a book that we interviewed the author for, mm-hmm. you know, way back when last year and it showed up and I'm like, Oh, this feels great to put it here. Right. Like yep. it's, yep. I'm so I'll be excited to have a, a dojo book. Right alongside that one, so cool. It's yeah. coming. Lou's been pushing. Yeah, it's he coming. has. He's the taskmaster. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you need a taskmaster for every yeah. book. There has to be one. So <laughs> yeah, we have Lou. <laughs> just remember, Lou. You don't have to be popular. You just have to be effective. That's all. That's right. <laughs> that I am. <laughs> They'll tell you. They, they call me a pain in the ass sometimes. We've yeah, never, we've never the called them popular. 
<laughs> Entertaining, but not popular. Hey, that's good too. And that's the crew from the Bite Size Gaming Podcast. You can find the links for the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, their Facebook page, and their Kickstarter in the description below. Go check them out and support this awesome Kickstarter. Guys, thanks again. It's been awesome. See you next time. See you next time. In the dojo. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs>